Welcome to Culture First, the podcast that focuses on culture in its broadest sense, from putting people back at the heart of organisational change, through to the seismic shifts taking place in society every single day. My name is Vimla and I'm the co-founder and director of culture design at Honey Badger, a UK business that focuses on designing and delivering measurable change to organisations through experience and culture. Today on the podcast, we have Zaire Allen, the founder of Love Circular, although he often goes by the title of Chief of Vibes. Love Circular is a business that's set up to bring more underrepresented groups into the design industry through three-month training programs. He's run over six cohorts and has landed over 15 people in job roles since setting up the business in June. This has to be one of the best conversations I've had recently. Not only is it filled with passion and enthusiasm, but Zaire's energy shines through in how he describes his work. If you're looking to learn how to bring your personal culture into your professional culture and how to build unique work environments that work for everyone, then this is the conversation for you, plus how to do it at scale. I sincerely hope you enjoy listening to this as much as I enjoy taking part. Hats off to Zaire for turning exclusion into action and creating so much positivity in what can feel like dark times. So hi, I'm Bimba Rapidu, um, the founder of Honey Badger, and today I've got Zaya Allen, the founder of Love Circular and the chief of Vibes. Zaya, do you want to introduce yourself a bit? Ah, oh, yeah, I'm Zaya, founder of Love Circular, creative things, chief of Vibes, you know, organizer of the good energy at Love Circular. At Love Circular, what we specifically do is we teach people who may have experience or no experience how to get into the industry of UX UI design. And then we take people through a 90-day course. In fact, that's not 97 days. A 97-day, 13-week course. And that course is going to take them from no knowledge to working proficiency. So far, we've managed to get 14 people. And I think that's going to be a 15 by the end of today into paid employment. Since starting, we launched in June, on June 8th. It's been an eventful journey so far, but I'm loving it. I love the fact that we can make a difference. Our thing is specifically targeting underrepresented communities and to do that we offer our service at a fraction of the cost of what the market rate is and since then we've seen you know great growth and i'm very proud of the you know just what we've managed to achieve in such a short time each yeah. week is like a, a week of new history it's amazing that's such a great way of describing it as well because i think especially in the times that we are it feels like we're living through history at the moment and if you can cr- can create something positive from that it's even better exactly it's it's immense i can't fathom it sometimes and i don't even feel like me being in my position is real some days what do you mean like knowing you know when i set out to work on this it was myself and isaac and i once created something similar to what we have today love circular is actually an iteration from a company that i originally created called circular circular was specifically there to help creative people network with each other and it was more like I guess it's like anything you can find on meetups but it was mainly through a slack group and Mm -hmm. at the time I was a UX while I was a design student in London and the thing that even drove me to that was the fact that I felt like a lot of social spaces weren't inclusive and being an outsider it felt like I had to like conform to the clicks and stuff like that to to be accepted or to be in a position where I'd you know be with the cool kids almost so at first I thought you know what let's create circular and I put it out we done really well it just attracting attention 
at its peak, we had about 500 people in the Slack group while we were developing an app, which was going to house all these people and potentially push it further. And we also had a wait list of over, I think, 1.5K. We managed mm. to get that in like two, three months, which was nuts. I think I was like 20 at the time. To me, it was like, oh, traction. This is what traction looks like. And yeah, the reason why it's so incredible today and um, it's so surprising to me is because after doing that, I actually didn't launch that product just because of a few things happened and life got a bit difficult after sitting on a product that wasn't launched and it mm. had so many downtimes. But yeah, for me today to be in the position I'm in, I feel blessed because I know that I never, this wasn't going to be, this wouldn't have been a thing if I didn't go through that. And yeah. To go through the hardship that I went through post being in a position where I feel like I failed at something. Yeah, life is, I've literally stopped taking things for granted. And through what we do now, when I see the impact that we have on people's lives, some of the people that we manage to help get jobs have come from economic classes that wouldn't necessarily be gifted opportunities like this a lot of the time. And Luckily, we've done things where we've given positions for free. We've given heavily subsidized places on our course. And we've managed to help change these people's lives to see them now in a job where they're enjoying and they're getting paid really well. And they have great work-life balance for many of them. I can't, honestly, to me, I feel like I win every time they get a job. Yeah. It feels like a part of me gets a win. You know, we don't do recruitment public or publicly or anything so we're not getting actually we're not actually getting paid for them getting jobs but to me that's the end goal it's not to teach it's mainly to get them into jobs and help see what happens from a career at some point so super super yeah. excited and i feel like every day isn't real because every day we're helping someone get into a job or contract yeah i mean there's so much stuff on that in that alone that i want to pick up on and it's a beautiful conversation because i can feel your passion like coming yeah. through it is amazing um I guess the first thing I want to pick up on is something you said quite early in that so when you were back in London and, and not feeling like the meetup groups or the space was inclusive what, yeah. what was it that made you feel like that so for me I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a creative person I might be a designer by trade but I wouldn't say I'm a creative person but when I was in London I, I felt like the, there's a culture where it's kind of like the cool kid. There's a lot of little cliques and they're kind of like cool kids. And I also went to an arts university. So already you're in that sort of space where you you naturally will see this. But, you know, I saw this whenever I went to uni. Now, whenever I was online, I wanted to, you know, meet new people. I wanted to, up north, as a northerner, I feel like we're a lot more open and we're a little, more, a little bit more chirpy and um, easygoing. But down south, everyone's like really serious. And I felt like, if you can't relate to some of these people, they don't want you to be a part. And I felt like as a student in London, I was struggling to make friends. And for me, there was just that, like there was some sort of, I wouldn't call it negative, but it was like a dark air. It was a, it was a vibe that I just couldn't get my head around. But I knew that, well, deep down, I felt like not everyone would be in that sort of position where they want to keep their inclusive clicks instead of, you know, create opportunities for others so you know, that's what really prompted me to make a tweet and everything we have today and everything I've achieved today has come from a single tweet when I was sat down in my grandmother's bed on one Saturday morning after coming back from uni for a weekend I wrote a tweet that said something like 
I'd love to see if there's a way that I can connect creative people together, people that are in the industry and people that want to get in the industry. That tweet was in 2016, I believe. Yeah, and you also mentioned kind of going through some hardship and feeling quite down about that. What was it that kind of got you through that and helped you see the potential that could come out of sitting on a product? And, you know, you had had all of these potential users there. What was it that kind of got you through? In all honesty, I think... I've lived a life, you know, I'm only 24, but I'm saying I've lived a life. <laughs> I've been fortunate to have very wise people and very wise people around me. They may not have necessarily come from industries like, you know, ours, but they've had perspective through their life experiences. And what's happened in 20, I think 2017, I, no, 2016, I paused all work on um, what was initially circular. And the main reason for that was just simply because we didn't get to launch due to our developer leaving and I can't remember what happened after that, but it just got really tough in university. It was like coming up to the end of the year and I needed to do a project. Then after that, I just felt like I needed to take a break from things. So when I took that break away from things, I knew that I was sitting on an idea that had some value. I didn't feel like we were solving a problem back then, but it had some value. And to answer what helped me get through it, I think I've been fortunate, again, to have potential. And I've always known that I've had potential to create things. And some of the people around me have always asked me, hey, what happened to that idea that you were doing? Is everything going okay with it? And it's like, after about a year, a year or two passed, they they stopped asking. But there was a time where someone actually offered to pay for for our database of students. Well, not students, our database of creatives and people that are interested in circular at the time and at that point that came to me when I was really down as well and you know years passed no activity and someone goes I'll pay you it's like what wait so like you know I'm 21 now and I'm like you're telling me you'll pay me for something that didn't launch they just wanted to take off my hands and at that point I was like it was almost validation because Mm -hmm. even though I didn't feel like we were solving a problem and I was having my own personal battles the one silver light sliding sorry was the fact that someone saw value in something I created and when you're in a dark space you know it's hard to see the positives a lot of the time and at that point I realized I was blessed again and people that were checking on me to see how things are going some people randomly tweeted me and they were like oh, I miss I miss these sessions that we would have in circle what's going on and those little things help you get through it and it wasn't until my grand passed away at one point and after that, I was working at Apple as a um, technical specialist, so a mobile technician. And when I was in that job, as much as I loved the company and I loved the value that I could have on people, the impact I can have in people's lives, I felt like I wasn't pushing myself. And here's mm. like, it was a big thing for me. I felt like I've had a load of jobs in my life. And in all of my jobs, I felt like I was underused. I, I never felt like the company ever got the most out of me. And the majority of the reasons why is because I've not been there long enough. I've not got a formal experience. However, I always thought about myself as someone who can do the manager's job. So I was like, I could do that. Like, give give me three weeks. I could do that. I could pick it up. When I was at Apple, I felt like that. And it just felt like I wasn't going to progress that fast. And at the time, you know, I've been designing since I was 12. At the time of working at Apple, I felt like, they were underutilizing me again. And at that point, I met someone called Chris. I think it's his marketing director of his company. And 
I'd take appointments at my day job, Apple, and blah, blah, blah. Long story short, the one thing that I've always done really well when I was a technician at Apple, and, you know, they used to give praise for this because I used to bring B2B revenue, it would be identify potential business customers. Now, the reason why I was so good at it was because I was naturally curious and I've always looked for opportunities in anything I could. And in meeting Chris, he owned uh, he owns a company. He owns a, I won't say it's a startup, I'd say it's a established app development company. And they currently have a product that does, I think it's time schedules for people that do shift, shift work, shift patterns and stuff like that. In speaking to Chris, Chris, I was inspired by Chris's just who he was and his aura that he gave off. And in speaking to him, I also explained the fact that I had circular at one point and I told him um, it would be great if I could um, get some advice and I'm thinking about bringing it back. After my brand passed, I just wanted to move on with my life. I just wanted to do something and create something meaningful. So in meeting Chris, maybe two months after that, he said, you know what, take my details. Please let me know how you're getting on and, you know, let's get in touch. I'll help you out if you need like he offers mentoring services to other people sometimes from now and again so in speaking to chris what's happened was chris actually powered me up it was like oh someone believes in me again and you know when life has been so low for ages i was like oh someone believes in me they want me to do something he said that he likes the idea and then i spoke to isaac at that point i was like hey isaac i guess we're going to do what we can like i'm going to see what we can do to pull this back and Isaac, Isaac's one of my best friends. He believed in me. And all these little things, all these little people believing in me allowed me to get to the point where I was like, okay, cool, I'm going to do it again. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get there. That's how the, I got great people. Yeah, that's really interesting because, well, one, you're preaching to the choir of someone who's had a lot of jobs and yeah. consistently thinks, well, I could do that. I yeah. think, well, why am, I, why am I here? Yeah. And it does, it's, through the work that Honey Badger's doing in our kind of research into the black and, and brown experience in the workplace, it's something mm-hmm. that we see con- like consistently of one, people of colour being told they have potential yeah. and therefore never quite reaching it because you're constantly being told you've got the potential, you need to keep working to reach it. Yeah. When you know deep down you're there. Yeah, like, There's nothing else I have to prove. It's like the um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then also that as people of colour we're we're told again you're lucky to be in the role or you should be grateful for where you are and so it's it's that really strange thing of oh maybe I can't do it if yeah I'm lucky to be oh. where I am anyway and so it's Please. it's very double loaded but I totally totally can relate that's really inspiring before we dig into what you do now going kind of broader again what does culture mean to you for me I guess it's it's the feeling I get from those around me and the feeling, the history, all that sort of stuff. So for instance, I was born in Florida, but my family are from the West Indies, a small little island called Montserrat, a volcanic island. Beautiful place, I recommend wholeheartedly. Now for us, you know, we come from a small knit community and that's deeply ingrained in that is West Indian culture. You know, a, a lot of people, a lot of home food, a lot of music that's vibrant. The frequencies and the music in itself, you can't be sad and listen to some of those genres. And for me, a lot of what I see in, you know, the way I perceive culture comes from what I've learned from those around me, those who've came before. And to me, you know, when I think of culture, even the fact that I'm called Chief of Vibes, that's my job title at the moment. I might need to change that, change that on HMI. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, the fact that I even say that, it's mainly because for me, culture is all about capturing the best out of people, whether that's their history, their experience, but for the most part, it's capturing who they are deep, deep down and who helped them become that person. And when I think of culture, I think of, I think of different types of communities coming together as one to create something even greater. And that in itself is a culture that can inspire other cultures, of course. Mm, that's really beautiful. I was actually thinking going into Montserrat last year when we could fly. It's a beautiful place. If you ever go, please let me know. I'm always looking for an excuse to go. So how did you get to the sunny north of England from Florida? My mum moved as a way to support my cousins and her. And for us, it was, we need, I think she just didn't want to be in the US as well. I'm not sure why, but I think she low-key misses it. She definitely does. Maybe not today, but back then she definitely did. Because we always went on holiday to the US, literally every summer. But I think that was the main reason why Uh, My mum was such a benevolent person that she uprooted a whole family, myself, my sister and my grandmother to, you know, move to the UK and live in Manchester. I love Manchester though. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you've had experience in London as well, so. Yeah. Yeah. I know what the other side's like and yeah, I, I, I think I prefer Manchester. It, it is typical weather right now. It's raining, it's wet, it's miserable, but I love this. Yeah. I mean, love's strong for me, but I, other than the weather, I'm, I am pretty happy in the North, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you, well, in our prelude to this and when we were just catching up, we spoke a lot about the flexibility of owning your own business and a lot of the culture that sits around managing your own time, having a life and that kind of stuff. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? What would you like to know in particular? Anything? Yeah, just what it what it kind of looks like for you as someone who's set up a business really recently that's doing really well, how you're embedding some of that culture that you hold important or the, the energy that you want to bring into it, how how you're doing that. Yeah. Okay. For me, I think this is my first time being an entrepreneur at this scale where I am my own boss and I'm other people's boss as much as I don't like to think I'm the boss. It actually, <laughs> I've got to own up to reality. It is, it, is the, it is the thing in the end. So what's actually happened? Since starting the business, I've had to play so many different roles and so many different things have changed. I think... My work ethic has changed and it's altered. Because I come from the class I come from and the background I come from, a lot of the things that are deeply ingrained in me are literally working hard. Working smart as well, but working hard is like first things first. Being in the position I'm in now where I run a business that has multiple people working, to even get to this point, I had to work super hard on top of my current job. And at one point, you know, once we launched and I went full time with this, I was still putting in, you know, 70 hour work weeks casually. And I can't remember what changed, but there was a month where I just told myself, this isn't sustainable. I need to learn how to delegate. And since learning how to delegate, I've learned to put trust in other people to get certain things done. And at that point, I managed to reclaim some of my social life back and some of my life in itself. It's been very difficult. But it got so it got to a strange point where in October, I think, I think it was October or late September, 
there was like two or three weeks where in ter- like on average I'd probably do about 45 hours 55 hours of solid work and the rest might just be half-assed work but in the past two months there was a period of time where I even went into a position where I just didn't do much I did the bare minimum to keep the business running now that was I don't know what that was but I think I've had a few conversations with a few people and one of the things that I've got from the conversations was you've got to look at life and business as a sprint sometimes Mm. a sprint in the context of agile workflow sometimes you're going to be working on very intense sprints and sometimes you won't necessarily have to do as much and when we start looking at life like that even in fact even the analogy of an athlete an athlete has their season where they have to perform to the highest level if you're in america and some of your sports have playoffs that's like crunch time as well to get a championship and then after that you've got your holidays so for me i think i ended up taking a holiday out of just but it wasn't burnout but naturally i just told myself you should work less and enjoy a bit more you should enjoy a bit more and it did that and since that point i've realized you're gonna have your peak seasons which are like your playoffs you're gonna have your and regular seasons, which are, you know, when you're just running the business, strategizing things. And you're going to have your off-season where sometimes you don't want to work. And if you manage to build something for yourself, you're, you're sometimes in a fortunate position to be able to take advantage of working less. So for me, my actual typical day at this current moment, we're, getting, we're preparing to scale up. So I'm putting in a lot more hours, but I don't necessarily equate hours to output. I, you know, first and foremost at Love Circular, we put the output, so your actual results more than, you know, we put that ahead of your hours. So for instance, Kieran has now joined us full time as head of recruitment and sales. Kieran's someone that I've known personally for many years, even though we need to sort out his contract, so as a new employment contract, one of the first things I'm going to say to him when we do that, do that is, I'm not going to put a minimum hour requirement on your, well, maybe say 20 hours, but that's a part-time job. But I'm not going to put anything on your employment contract to say you've got minimum hours. Most of your job's going to be, you know, results-based. And the better you do for yourself, the more opportunities you're afforded with. And Kieran's technically a partner, so I wouldn't want to class him as an employee. But, you know, for us, it's all about your output, not necessarily your time put in. So as soon as I realized that and I realized it's okay to have downtime, I didn't worry so much because we fortunately got the likes of Kieran and Ali who head up different areas of the organization and they do such a great job that sometimes it's if I do you know, come off the pace a bit, we're not going to crumble. If I do the bare minimum, it's there. So for me... My days actually so so varied, but yeah, we've we've got a few projects that we're doing at the moment, and it's looking good in terms of developing a culture within the company. That has been something that oh oh wow, that has been work in progress for a while. Because we're a fully remote company, it's a bit tricky, and I I did think about this quite heavily before we even started taking on our first. I wouldn't say hires, but our first team members now one of the things that i had to think about was i've never had a team before i've never had to manage people never done any of this stuff how do i pick the right people and all that sort of stuff and i think a good part of it came down to 
uh, my hiring philosophy at the moment is only hire people that I'd want to be friends with, even if this wasn't work. Every, there are many skilled people out there and we're very thankful to be in an industry where there's loads, there's a, almost abundance at times of skilled people. The only thing is not all of those skilled people will understand the struggles of a person like myself and the people that we are here to serve. Now, for me, I'm not. that's not to say that we won't take them on. However, it's a factor in the hiring process. And, you know, when I start thinking about culture, one of the things that I want, I always put forward is, are these the type of people that I'd love to be friends with, even if we weren't working together? And if the answer is yes, that puts us in a very good position. Because straight away, I feel like there's, a, there's an element of synergy that's possible there. And at that point, it, if it doesn't feel like work, it's fun. And if it feels like, you know, the people you work with or the people that you're communicating with are on your level, it's fun again. And that's partially why my position is chief of vibes. My job is to make everyone's job a little bit easier. And if I can find ways or processes to do so, I'm going to do that. One of the one of the things that I'm super big on, for instance, is your mental well-being, you know, your physical well-being as well. I go to the gym whenever that's open, but at the moment it's a bit peak but yeah mental well-being for instance i in i think it was july i got therapists i've always wanted a therapist for myself not one that's provided by the nhs i've done that before it didn't really go so well but i've got a psychotherapist and he's an awesome dude shout to bod in doing that i've learned so much about myself that i can actually change alter or understand further and it's allowed me to push myself professionally that was one of the main reasons why i did it and to even go back to what i was saying one of the things that we do is i I tell the team if you do want to speak to someone on that level if you want to go to therapy for instance if you want to go to the gym please let me know and we'll subsidize it we'll find a way to cover the cost if it's available to us or we'll subsidize it and Again, it all comes down to when I mentioned you want the people around you to feel happy. You, you know, these are people with different experiences in life. But if we're going to create a culture, one of the things that I want to do is make sure these people are protected. And again, if they are people I'd like to be friends with, this is something that I do for my friend. So why wouldn't I do it for the people I work with? It's just music to my ears. I don't know if you remember from when we met, but I'm writing a book on culture at the moment. And a lot of what you're saying could almost be lifted straight out of it. <laughs> not only the the kind of what I can see is a really clear link between what you described at the beginning of your family culture and the vibrancy and love and just Mm. energy but how you've translated that into a work culture and looking out for one another in in that protected space but equally the like one of my pet peeves of the industry at the moment is hours over output and so kind of timesheets or clock watching to value whether you've spent enough time on a project versus the deliverable or the outcomes or the change and so it's one of the the biggest things I want to see shift in the industry so it's incredible to hear your approach to doing that yeah but like on that what do you think is wrong with the culture in our industry or your industry at the moment my industry the last job I was in was I was in the finance area of yeah, finance sector, but I was a UX designer and that side of things. If we're talking about the industry of design, that would be a little easier for me to answer because I don't really do anything technical. Yeah, yeah. It's a big question. From my personal experience, even in the talk that we had, 
for what is it fringe service design festival one of the things i've always felt when i've been in Pisipano, the first job i was in the app development agency that's really really huge apparently make yeah that's what i'm saying on that that behalf working there i i was one of three black people and no i was one of four two of them left and then it was just two of us in my three year, three month tenure there if we're talking about asian people from the south asia for instance there's probably about three and the rest were white the the company had about 140 staff members now one of the things that i felt when i was in that job was at first it felt really exciting because that was one of my like first ux jobs as a industry designer instead of being a contractor or a freelancer and it felt like i was going to be part of a team and when you get into a job and you're super optimistic and you just want to learn and you want to do your best you're in a position where there's some sort of i guess there's some blindness to the obvious at times and when i was in that job i felt like when i started the job i was super optimistic and by the the second month then i felt like something was wrong culture wise and to me that's the problem that i perceived was the fact that they didn't have enough representation of different people different types of people different walks of life and that was a big problem for the time that i had with them because i feel like they mismanaged me and they also managed me out of the company that's a different story but i think a lot of companies they build cultures or they build they build teams that aren't necessarily diverse enough and i don't want to play the diversity card but i i I've seen it, you know, first hand I've experienced it first hand. I felt like I couldn't relate to some of my colleagues and at times I felt like, you know, when you're in have you ever been in a situation in school where you wanted to sit down and, you know, just get on with people and it seems like everyone else is interested in other things and at that point you feel a little left out. I essentially became a bit of a loner at, at work and the people I were friends with weren't in my team. So it was tricky because at that point I was just going to work and I was I was plodding along um I didn't feel wanted there and it just didn't feel like a great experience based on the fact that I knew that they didn't understand the fact that they lacked diversity I think one of the things for them was they thought I just didn't want to be there complete opposite I I actually loved the work that I did and I learned so much but at the time they didn't understand me and it's clear that they didn't understand me or people like me and that's probably why the you know the people before me left i knew one of the i spoke to one of the dudes that left and he said something similar he said i don't feel wanted here and i didn't understand that until my third month when they let me go and i was like oh this is what happened yeah some other stuff happened in between but for me representation is huge and many companies don't have that especially the smaller companies you know and as an agency they probably didn't see the i don't know I don't know if they see the value I don't know if they want that but I didn't see it when I was there which is which was unfortunate. So I guess for me it's perspective of it's perspective of what diversity can do for a company as well as that just being aware of the fact that for many companies that are currently hiring or starting out it's being aware that if you're going to build a culture around whatever your goal is be sure to have have an open mind on hiring for one because 
in hiring different types of people, you get so many different experiences. If you hire one type of person, your, your culture is literally going to be one culture. And it felt like when I was there, it was, it was like two different cultures, but they were both not my culture. They weren't things I could relate to and people around me can relate to. And I think this experience has been felt by many others in um, their roles. You know, when, whenever you go into an environment where you don't feel like you belong, you can't progress. And that holds many, many, many companies and in, even industries back. And it's sad. It's really, really sad. I think when I think about the problems in the industry, that has been the most prevalent thing that I faced going into environments and being, you know, one of one of a few. And it's okay to be one of a few in some scenarios, but I wouldn't say it's desirable. And it never it, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Mm. It's the sort of stuff that doesn't actually progress our industry or the cultures within the industry. Now that, you know, with things like what Love Circular doing even just seeing other people create groups and stuff like that around being a minority in the field of design or tech, it's really empowering and exciting to see because it's clear that these people have all had some stories akin to each other and in, you know, wanting to even create a group for this, it shows that there's a problem. It's a bigger problem and it's sad, but I think the companies that we are working on are ways that we're going to be tackling that problem. And while we may not solve it for said agencies, so be it. We're going to, we're going to do our part and that's all we can do. Yeah. I, I mean, I was nodding the whole way through that because I can relate to everything you said. But yeah. just to pick on, up on a particular point of, you mentioned like not to play the diversity card. I think yeah. one of the things I've learned is not to see it as a card. It's just the fact. It's, it's a reality that, yeah I got told a lot particularly early on in my career yeah stop playing the race card or not everything's race or not everything's diversity and it's taken me a long time to unlearn that because that's an outside perspective telling me that I'm making it's gaslighting yeah and it's it is an issue whether others want to accept it or not it's it is a, a hard reality of the industry that's a very good point I think that even touches on one of the things that my therapist told me <laughs> that I do. Subjugation. I've got a subjugation schema, so a big part of what I do sometimes is that I suppress my own desires or feelings to accommodate. And in just saying diversity card, I don't believe it's a card. It is a reality. It's the harsh reality that we both felt and others that we know have felt. And even in just conforming to say card, I'm trying to make someone else feel better and Again, you know, some sometimes these conversations aren't the most pleasant for other people to say, but again, this is reality. Life isn't all, you know, roses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think as well, one of the things that I remember the most from the panel as well is the kind of socioeconomic look at, yeah. of what you're doing and the importance of bringing different economic classes into UX yeah. and design. And I, I personally, I think it's one of the things that's left off the diversity agenda the most. So one of the one of the points that I wanted to pick up on and um, that really stood out to me from the Service Design Fringe Festival as well was the focus of Love Circular on different socioeconomic groups and the importance of bringing different economic classes into the design industry. Because what I've seen is different socioeconomic classes or groups get left off the diversity agenda the most and it's not one of the protected characteristics that we look out for so tell me more about that and it's it's important i guess my desire 
all my desire for focusing on that literally comes from my background. One thing that I don't know if your your parents like this, but or if you was even in a situation similar. But for me, my mum was very black and white with our financial situation most of the time. So as a kid, I'd say, "Oh, I want a toy truck," and she would say, "Circle it in the Argos catalog, and you might get it one day. You might save up one day." She'd be like, "I'm poor. <laughs> like, I'm five or six years old." At the end of the day, I probably shouldn't have been told that, but I like the fact that she did because she had that level of transparency with me and. Even though I was frustrated because I may not have got a toy, I understood the situation was I can't do anything at the moment. And when I think about her opportunities, she she's been a full time mother to as as well as a full time carer to my grand who lived with us for pretty much the majority of my life as well. So for me, my mum that wasn't necessarily given many more opportunities to even potentially earn more money other than the fact that she might have went on the internet and if she was curious enough, she might have stumbled into UX design, for, for instance. But that didn't happen. And that's the harsh reality for many, many people from the lower socioeconomic band. They're oftentimes, they're in positions where they have to aid for others. And it's a bit difficult for them to take advantage of learning and finding other opportunities to increase their financial uh, situation. So yeah, when, when my situation, for me, Growing up, having a mother that was very clear on the fact that we're not financially well. We get by, but there are times when it's a bit difficult. And when I think about what we're doing with Love Circular, yeah, getting people educated is great, but some of the people that we help are in such, such precarious positions with their finances and their employment um, status that it it pains me. And... One of the reasons why we even do what we do is because, again, I always wanted to help people that look like me, speak like me from areas like mine, or you know, go through similar struggles to me. Why? Because I feel like I have the opportunity to, not for any other reason other than the fact that I can. So when I look at that, you know, situation, for instance, there's a there's a student that we had, and this student, he explicitly explained to me this was when i was doing the enrollment calls and stuff he explicitly explained he's using his last finances on coming on board with our course and i told that person like look i'm gonna discount as much as i can for you i can understand what your situation could be like i've seen it i've experienced it and i want to see what i can do to help you out so we discount that person's position well cost quite heavily but even then i knew that the money that he was willing to invest in his future, that was all that he had. And as a young person, that pains me to even know that somebody else is in that position. So, you know, when I think about why there's a big focus on improving, I guess, social mobility and, you know, the, the financial side of these underrepresented communities, it's because, because of things like this. It's like people shouldn't be in their young 20s and struggling and seeing their family struggle the world's in a very very nice place these days for some and it wouldn't be the hardest thing for someone to just extend their armor and say look i'm going to teach you a skill this skill it might take you three months but if you put in a lot of time that skill can put you in a position where next four or five months after you're earning 35 grand a year for me um i came from a position where i don't think my mum's ever earned over 15 grand in a year like to know that i've grown up say the majority of my life in the UK and to know that my mum's never earned that it's 
ridiculous to me. It's crazy. And in my first first UX design job, I think I earned 32K at 22. That itself is double what my mum's ever earned in a year on paper, you know, tax and stuff like that. But to know that I could do that, that's when it really clicked on me that I may have a formula to help other people become um, what I've become. And essentially what's actually happened from that is, you know, after that meeting that I had with Chris, I spoke to Isaac and Isaac's also, I won't disclose his situation, but he made a huge financial jump as well, you know, at a young age, 23, 24, I think he was 24 even. And at that point, we both realized we didn't necessarily come from formal education to get to this point. What took us to this point was just pure curiosity throughout our childhood and for our teenage developmental years, essentially. And in gaining the skills that we've managed to gain over those years, we figured out that there's a way to get into industry. And at that point, if you present yourself in the right way and your personal branding is right and you've got enough work to show, if you're good enough, you can talk your way into a job. And that's essentially what happened to me. Now, when I think about the meeting with Chris, when I finally did have that conversation with him, I told Isaac, look, we, we're very young. We've managed to put ourselves in really good positions. Let's see what we can do. You know, I'm looking to pull, build circular back up and let's see what we can do to help other people get into these positions. And eventually we thought we were going to do recruitment, but we didn't in the end. Uh, we actually changed the model to figuring out what the problem was. And for me, the problem lied with education a lot of these people may there are a lot of ux designers out there that need to be recruited that's always going to be the thing but the the problem solving the problem of improving the economic status of people that are underrepresented comes from education a lot of times they don't have access or opportunity to you know technical education that's taught in a way that actually appeals them one of the big problems is when you're in school syllabus is boring black and white I've like I never liked anything design related in school because it was boring. However, I went I went home and went on YouTube and taught myself. So, you know, in acquiring all these skills, we we then thought, cool, let's package a course. And then we spoke to Chris. Chris helped us out um, in giving perspective, and things have snowballed. And now, you know, we are improving the finances for people that are underrepresented. We're improving the knowledge and perspective that they have on learning. And one of the beautiful things I, I absolutely adore about the, the situation that we're in is these people are changing the lives of others. I had a friend, I had a conversation with a friend last night and I, I explained the same thing in putting, giving these people education and allowing them to learn from people that even have some sort of idea of what struggles they may go through. They learn in a more safe space and they're more comfortable to, learning they're excited to learn and in learning it doesn't even feel like learning it just feels like feels like fun and at that point you can gain these skills and then end up in a better situation and in doing so i told them i, I mentioned to my friend some of these people may have cousins brothers sisters aunties uncles that are in positions that they're not happy with and one of the coolest things is seeing these people go through our course and be in new situations that probably has a butterfly effect that I can't quantify or even fathom. The closest I, I think we've came to seeing what that looks like in real life was one of my students, he he went for our course and then, you know, two months later, no, I think a month later after he graduated, his dad, he, he had his dad reach out to us. 
his dad full-time bus driver and in London and he's been doing it for many years and he he was tired of the work-life balance and he's tired of the situation he's in and he thought you know what it would be great it would be a great opportunity to learn something new something that's going to allow him to have remote work or better work-life balance and decent pay as well and these are the opportunities that we're we're providing to people and for me yeah a big part of why I do what I do or even set Love Circular up to help these people's situations are because I know it feels like to be at the bottom. I wanted to give you a round of applause then. Just it's just a, it's just an amazing it's just amazing. There's no end to that sentence. It just is incredible. Yeah. How are you finding it finding the students at the moment? How's that been? My experience with the students has all been it's been through what I've learned about them from seeing their work, reading their work having you know conversations with our team with Ali Kieran and you know all the other staff and finding out what what's going on and I'm inspired by the stories I don't necessarily speak to him but I'm inspired by the stories and I'm glad that what I've created from a tweet has essentially managed to touch them I've seen the progression that they they made sometimes I sit there and think oh wait the course that myself and Ali built has actually done all this for this person crazy I remember seeing some of them in their first weeks and some of them have never touched a design software and now they're talking about the full end-to-end experience from a UX UI human-centered process for instance and you're like oh, that's crazy that is crazy to see like just the theoretical um, knowledge from a UX standpoint is incredible we do say we aim to get people into junior positions but if I'm very honest with you some of these people have more midway approaches to their thought process when it comes to design their visual design may not necessarily be midway yet but that comes with time and for me a lot of these people are able to accelerate their careers a bit faster and that's why so many of them are getting hired now you know there are people that come with visual design experience and once we give them the ux they literally fly like some of those people are the highest earners to the point where i made a post the other day and i i, I spoke i made a few posts and Essentially, I explained, on average, the average Love Cycle grad who ends up in a job gets anywhere between 32 and 35K a year. That's already incredible because these people are going through a free, free month course, getting paid more than what I spent 12 years, 11 years to work towards. And it's incredible to see. But some of them are getting as high as 45. I've never earned any money like that in my design career, but I'm so happy to see that it happened because, again, when I think back to the fact that I don't necessarily teach everyone, I'm still helping put the processes in place for those that do teach to empower these people to these heights and these positions. It's so beautiful. Yeah. I'm now teaching, though. I am now teaching. I had to take up a cohort recently due to a scheduling issue. And since then, I've been so energized. Uh, it's, it's been fun. As you know, you know, when you start a business, you wear many different hats and sometimes you have to delegate certain positions. For me, I probably won't be teaching after this cohort because we're doing a big hiring run at the moment. That was actually the meeting that I just had to say I'm not going to be attending. But yeah, like in being back teaching, I'm, I've never felt out of love with what we do, but I'm, it's like it's rekindled new love for what we do and how we approach it because... I get to see firsthand what it's like to take someone who doesn't have any knowledge and equip them with all the knowledge and all the skills and see their confidence grow and see them 
start to understand, have more complex conversations about design, have new ways to think and go through that journey. And it's been awesome. This week I was a little ill, so I didn't get to teach, but I've also caught up with some of the session footage and I'm so proud again. Like for me, when I, when I think about students, I think they're proud and joy. They're like brothers and sisters to myself and I think some of the, the team. Again, like I'm only 24. Most of the people we actually work with are 26, 27 plus. So they have years on me a lot of the time, but it still feels like we're all the same age. It just feels like we're all brothers and sisters just trying to help push each other. So yeah, I'm super excited. I, I just love doing what we do. I mean, there's a lot in there of that's how it should be. Like age shouldn't be a thing when you're in an organisation or a learning environment because it doesn't experience doesn't come with age it comes with understanding and learning so it should be a leveler in many ways Mm -hmm. I think one of the things I wanted to pick out there as well is thinking back to traditional methods of teaching design and Mm -hmm. creativity like you mentioned at school yeah it it bored you it wasn't exciting one of the things I've learned as well or reflected on was when you're taught design or art it's technique rather than creativity so you're assessed on your ability to replicate or digest rather than to come up with new ideas or understand the problem or problem solve and I think in UX or the like human-centered design landscape it's much more focused on the process and creative outlooks and unique solutions and I think that that's one of the gaps I start to see as well yeah absolutely I couldn't say any about that that's been my experience when I've learned in from high school to university when I studied design I actually didn't finish that degree and I don't have any don't have any desire to finish it in all honesty but one of the things that they do is that you know it doesn't feel like they teach you to think they don't allow you to think and they don't celebrate they say they do but I don't feel like they do celebrate the uniqueness of other people's perspective to break the rules a little and in you know what we do our, our method of teaching is really i don't know if it's unique i don't know what's unique about it per se compared to say a bigger course company but i know that one of the biggest things that we have is relatability um even if you think about when you was possibly taught in school you couldn't relate to that teacher most of the times most of us can't and that in itself takes away from the learning experience for us the people that are teaching the course are usually mid 20s late 20s we're just we're youngish people we come from environments similar to the people we're teaching a lot of the time and in that like even when we think about little colloquialisms and just jokes and things like that everyone seems to be attuned again when i mentioned we usually hire people when i hire people i'd always think can i be friends with this person when we take students on um, to learn design, I also have, there's also been, uh, it's an unwritten rule, but I think from a sales standpoint, we all understand that we, we know what type of people we want. And these are people that are kind of like us. Even if you came from a posh area, can you relate to some of us? Do you have friends that could potentially relate? If there's a level of empathy and understanding from that standpoint, it makes a huge difference and it makes the whole teaching experience so much more of, uh, a joyous one and I think that's why we've done so well so far we've never had to pay for advertising we've not paid for advertising yet and we've managed to sell out six of our seven cohorts 
again, I took my foot off the gas last month, and but we was one short, one short. But yeah, that counts as a sellout. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. Even then, I think we've managed to have the success that we've had based on these factors. It's all organic um, at the moment, and we're preparing to scale now, and we're going to be doing some paid lead gen work and paid social. So instead of taking on cohorts of six, I mean six or eight, we'll probably be going to you know the sixteens and ideally get into the twenty-four person cohort. But we've been working so much and for so long on the things that don't necessarily scale and experience, you know, mainly experience. We're learning from these people as well. So the students provide everything for us. Honestly, they provide their case studies in themselves and we're yeah. our case studies for them. So my first question is for anyone that's listening to this mm-hmm. that might want to get involved or partner or just hear more, what should they do? First things first, I'd say have a look at our social media. So on Twitter, it's lovecircular underscore. And on Instagram, it's lovecircular. Our social media is possibly the best place to look because you'll see the work of actual students. You will see these people make real life posts about their case studies, what they're learning, how they're getting on. And you'll be able to see the proofs in the pudding. We've got a live chat feature where you can speak to an instructor. And that would usually be Karen or Fizo. They're both very, very experienced people in the field of recruitment, careers, and from a standpoint of just life, they'll be really good people to speak to. They give you, they can give you a better perspective of our course in terms of what's on the syllabus, how the course format works, what you'll be expected to learn, what you'll actually achieve through coming through our course, and you know what it would look like to come towards the end of the journey. These people are going to be with you throughout the full journey as well. Towards the end of the course, you'll be learning how to actually brand yourself, how to put a portfolio together, get that portfolio in the hands of decision makers. So, for instance, a tradition, I'm telling a little secret here, but the traditional method to getting a job a lot of times is go to a job board, apply, 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 apply. One of the things we teach is don't do that. It's a waste of your time. You're literally just throwing your CV up in the air and hoping for the best. There are more calculated ways to actually land a position and go to the right people that actually matter. So we teach things like that towards the end of the course. And at that point, that's when you start to see some of these people get jobs. So for instance, some of our students get jobs before the course actually ends. In my cohort, I think I had three people land a job before they graduated with us. And it's unfathomable to consider, you know, before like one of them, Chris, he'd done it in 65 days. I told him when he first joined us, when he first had the call with me, because I did I did the pre-course call at this point, I told him, put 90 days in your calendar, let's see what happens. I want, I want you to be in a position where you can say, I'm ready to apply for a job in 90 days. Day 65 comes, oh, so, hey, Zaya, I think I've just got a job offer. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, this is the first cohort as well, so I was like, crazy. But yeah, yeah. those are the ways to contact us and get in touch. Yeah, that's all right. I was smiling like a goon then because that's that again, all the advice I give to young people like in the design industry is ignore what any formal education has told you about writing a cover letter and C V and don't apply for jobs. Get in touch with the companies, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just funny. It's just funny hearing it from someone else. To summarize, I guess it would be check our social media, see the proof for yourself, and when you're happy, you know, just reach out to us. Go to our website, reach out to us. And, you know, let's continue the conversation from there. And so my final question is, uh, so we named Honey Badger because they're fearless and powerful and really intelligent. And that's a big part of our company culture. Mm -hmm. So 
the question we ask every guest is if you're an animal what would you be and why Oof. i think i'd like to be an eagle you know the thought of flying is so so interesting to me for a big portion of my childhood i thought i would love to be an architect so i can build really tall things and be in the air and then there was like i think i was like 17 when i thought oh wait there's careers where you can potentially fly planes like I've known that there's like this, <laughs> but it only dawned on me. It was like, oh, I could potentially be a pilot one day. And I was like, academically, I never achieved enough. I always underachieved academically through just my own fault. But for me, the thought of flying and being able to be a pilot is incredible. Now that I've done a bit more research, you can actually get a private pilot license if you have enough money to. So at one point, I'm probably going to try and see what I can do to get one of those. But for me, an eagle, because they're super majestic and they can fly. Like, what more do you want? Being in the air is, like, something incredible. To be able to control control yourself from such a high point, you know, just a high point and overlook everything on ground, that's incredible. Like, I'm looking outside because I'm, I'm, like, looking into the air. I'm, like, <laughs> imagine seeing a city like Manchester from, you know, it's just like being in the plane, really. Yeah. overlook a city it's like that's that would be incredible to me i love the thought of seeing things from that perspective and i think being in a small percentile of creatures would be kind of cool yeah amazing thank you so so much so there we go that's all for this episode of Culturecast. i really hope you enjoyed it as I, as much as i did recording it if you like this episode feel free to visit this is hcd.com where you can access our back catalogue of over 100 episodes with episodes related to service design, product management, design research, and much more. And if you want to get in touch with me or any of the guests, then the details will be in the podcast show notes. Thank you, and see you again soon.